Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I was so relieved when modern medicine came up with medication that kick-started the production of serotonin, our happy chemical, restoring the mind to the capacity for joy. I spent years convincing people suffering from anxiety and depression to give SSRIs a try. It made sense to me that our brain chemistry can be compromised by trauma, especially traumatic loss, or by an unlucky throw of the genetic dice. Author Johann Hari himself is depressive. He spent many, many years being treated with the succession of new medicines promising relief. But when he was finally compelled to face the fact that the pills weren't helping him much at all, he set out to find out what might. His new book, Lost Connections, lays out meticulously researched evidence that medication is not the be-all and end-all cure. I don't have a science background, and a lot of Johans Hari's source material reads like Greek to me, which I don't read. In other words, please don't go off your meds, <laughs> at least not yet. But he's on to something that makes sense to me as someone deeply compelled by the healing possibilities in beloved spiritual community, the possibilities of life abundant. Lost Connections posits that many of us are profoundly disconnected from what brings identity, meaning, and joy to our lives. Johann Hari's final seven chapters are devoted to seven alternative antidepressants. An antidepressant, he says, isn't just a pill. Antidepressants are what lift despair. He calls these reconnections. They include reconnection to other people and meaningful work, reconnection to values, sympathetic joy, and giving service, overcoming narcissism, which he calls addiction to the self, facing childhood trauma, and reconnection and commitment to a restorative vision of the future. Today, I want to talk about that first antidepressant, reconnecting or connecting with other people. I am enchanted by the idea that when we connect or reconnect with one another, it is restorative of our humanity. But first, before we turn to solutions, I'm going to back up and talk just a little bit more about the problem. 
The situation in our country and in the world is so dire that, as they say, if you're not outraged or depressed, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Today, more people say they feel lonely than ever before. And Johan Hari posits that loneliness might be related to the rise in depression and anxiety in our society. He spoke with a young neuroscience researcher named John Cacioppo, who proved that feeling lonely causes cortisol levels to soar as much as they do during some of the most disturbing events we can experience. In other words, loneliness is profoundly stressful. People who are lonely are three times more likely to catch a cold than those who have close connections with others in their lives. And they are radically more depressed. Loneliness, it turns out, is not just the result of depression, it leads to depression. And being disconnected has the same effect on our health as the biggest health crises in the developed world. Loneliness, says John Cacioppo, has the starring role. I don't really know why so many families and neighborhoods and community structures that used to hold us together have fallen apart. According to political scientist Robert Putnam, author of Bowling Alone, people turned inward in the 10 years between 1985 and 1994, and active involvement in community organizations fell by 45%. Americans once said that in a crisis on average, they had three close friends to whom they could turn. By 2004, the average American reported that they had no one. I didn't see it because I was serving in Provincetown and then here with you building this beloved community together, this extraordinary spiritual community of memory and hope. But perhaps it's why this beautiful sanctuary isn't completely full today. Johann Hari's work says there's a critical need to make sure people know we're here and what we're up to. It might just save their lives and ours. Loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people, he says. It's the sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone else. To end loneliness, we need other people. And we need to feel we're sharing something with the other person or the group that is meaningful and valuable to us. We have to be in it together. Johann Hari interviewed a woman named Uli who had been living in a rough neighborhood in Berlin, terribly isolated and despairing. Eventually, compelled to join a protest over rising rents, Uli began to meet her neighbors who were also living solitary, hopeless lives. She explained that everything shifted when they, this is a quote, made themselves public. 
So at first, Johann Hari thought this expression was a slightly clunky translation of something from German. But it turned out that that was exactly what Uli had meant. They stopped living solely private lives and made themselves public. And it was only then, by being released into something bigger than themselves, that they found a release from their pain. Another protester, Taina, said that in modern society, if you're down, you're made to feel it's only in your house, it's only you. Because you didn't succeed, it's your fault. And then suddenly, she says, when we went on the street, a lot of people realized, hey, I'm the same. I thought I was the only one. And it was a lot of what people told me, too. I was feeling so lost and depressed, she says, but now, okay, I am a fighter. I feel good. You come out of your corner crying, and you start to fight. It changes you. You feel strong then. In an interview about his work, Johann Hari says, human beings have innate psychological needs, just as, if we, as we have physical needs. We need to feel we belong, that we have meaning and purpose, that people value us, and that we have autonomy. We live in a culture that's not meeting those psychological needs for most people. It does not manifest as full-blown depression and anxiety in most people. For some people, it's just a feeling of unhappiness, life a little less fulfilling than it could be. We've built a society that has many great aspects, but it is not a match, he says, for our human nature. He concludes, we don't need to be drugged. We need to see our distress and our joy as something we share with a network of people all around us. We need to be together. Here's another story with a hard beginning and a happy ending. When Sam Everington was 17, he survived an accident in which his best friend was killed. He made a promise to himself that he wouldn't sleepwalk through life. He was determined to cut through to what really matters and to live fully. He became a doctor in East London. Many of his patients came to him reporting anxiety and depression. He listened carefully and everything he'd been taught about anxiety as a chemical imbalance than the neurotransmitters and depression as biomedical, it all began to fall apart. What his patients were telling him was that their lives had been stripped of the things that made life worth living. He saw that they needed to reconnect. And so he embarked on an unprecedented experiment. His office became a hub for volunteer services. When you went to see Dr. Everington, you were prescribed one of over a hundred different ways to reconnect in a meaningful and valuable way with the people around you and with society. One of these projects was turning a kind of abandoned, vacant lot into a little park with a flower and vegetable garden. There was an on-site coordinator, but it was up to a group of around 20 volunteer patients who were depressed or suffering from other forms of distress to transform it into something beautiful. 
There was no pressure to talk, which of course is part of the traditional cure. But as the group of volunteers began to work together and to trust one another, they shared their stories. In listening, a patient volunteer named Lisa, a former psychiatric nurse who had been bullied by other nurses at her hospital for being too empathic and had ultimately utterly burned out, realized that everyone on the lot had understandable reasons to feel terrible. As time passed, the seeds they had planted sprouted and began to bloom. People started to walk through the park they had created and thanked them. They who for so long had been shut away, feeling useless and never thanked. They began to feel a sense of purpose. And then one day, another member of the group asked Lisa how she had become depressed. You were bullied at work, he said. I was bullied at work. And later he told her it was a key moment in his recovery. I realized you are the same as I am, he said. Recounting this, Lisa tears up. That's what the project was about, really. As the gardener, gardens came back to life, the gardeners came back to life. There's a cafe in Dr. Sam Everington's office building where his patients gather after their shifts. And he joins them there, not to ask, what's the matter with you, but what matters to you? And so their deep disconnection and their depression is healed by reconnecting with other people, by being in nature, and by creating something beautiful together. As I read Lost Connections, I was keenly aware that we have arrived at the same conclusions as Taina and Uli and Dr. Everington, and as so many people interviewed by Johan Hari as he sought a cure in connecting, we already know we need one another. We need our tribe and this weekly gathering of the tribe to reaffirm our sense of belonging and joy. As one new member answered my question about what had brought him here, I wanted to rejoin the living he said, I wanted to feel happy again. Over 11 days last month, as Kem and I backpacked across the Swiss Alps, from Mont Blanc to the Matterhorn, I carried you with me like a light in my heart. Uplifted and upheld as we trekked up and over high passes and across long valleys, every step on this beautiful round planet, turning us toward home. Here is our sanctuary. Here you are. Here we are. And here, all before us, is purpose and meaning and joy and the promise of ever deepening our connections with one another in this shared life the shared journey of the spirit. 
It is so good to be home. I love you. Beloved spiritual companions, let us choose the healing possibilities in beloved spiritual community. May we stay close and listen deeply to one another. Speak the truths of our lives and what we know really matters. And engage wholeheartedly in what brings identity, meaning, and joy to our lives. Together, let us celebrate life abundant. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.